Shane has no idea we're recording right now. We were trying to set up in the same room, and there was too much echo. So now he is wandering through my house as a stranger, trying to find my office. I don't even know if his audio is still working. He's now in my office. And we'll see if this fixes the echo. <laughs> Stewardship of Beliefs, Part 2. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you, or you can hear me, but I can't hear you, it looks like. Did you still have the mute on for your headphones? Mm, now it shows mute on your name. And you might want to just exit the, the studio and come back in to see what happens, but your mic shows a muted sign on your name. Okay, how about now? There you go. There we go. Now we're now we're cooking. What'd you do? Oh, it it wasn't installing, so I I disconnected and and hit reinstall again, and then it just like took off. So now it's. Are you on your iPhone camera? Yeah, I'm on your phone. Trust. How's that look? I don't think it switched. Oh, it's like the same camera. Oh no, it's definitely the camo camera. It's just it's my phone. Honestly, I can't tell a difference from what was on there. It looked it looked really good before. Maybe. Oh, I just opened up the curtains. Oh, gotcha. Does that look better? Yeah, you're a little lighter. Yep. All right. All right. So now I need to let's see. Are we? Oh, there we are. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Uh -huh. No, you're right. You're right. It's not using the camo camera. Hold uh -oh. on, let me switch it over. Oh, here we go. There we go. That's, That's better. better. Much okay. better. Yeah, I was like, because I was like, yeah, it looks fine. And then, but I was looking at the camo instead of on Try the Try shutting actual... the blinds now. Try shutting the blinds now with that extra light. Cause How about that? It's up to you. This looks kind of, I mean, you can probably open it up. It looked better, I think, open. Yeah. It doesn't bother you. You're trying to dim the light down because I'm... So no, that looks awesome. So stinking ugly, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Just oh. lost it. I hit my button accidentally. Hold on. <laughs> You're showing the outside. Come on. Okay. You is. It's like, we've, it's like we're newbies. This is the first yeah, one. I know. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. All right. What's this thing on the internet? Yeah, what's this button do? <laughs> Wow, this is terrible. I was just gonna. Uh, how, how, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> Should I ask you? Um, Robin Robinson. Robinson. Okay. Robinson. Uh, All right. Let's have a prayer. Okay. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I've actually been recording since you left the room. I've got you walking <laughs> through the house and everything, so we're already on. But we're gonna do a. Uh, Five second silence. Welcome back to Restored Gospel Podcast. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation. 
Shane is actually in my office upstairs in my house as his family is visiting Independence, Missouri for a period of time. So welcome to the center place, my friend. Thank you. Good to be back. So we're going to talk about stewardship of beliefs. We'll call this part two and try to stay on track. We wandered around a little bit last week. But Shane, we were talking about beliefs as being a foundation in our in our life. Um, I don't know that it's always in our the forefront of our mind, but um, a couple of weeks ago, I woke up in the morning and this phrase went through my my mind early in the morning, the stewardship of our beliefs. And I had never thought about that. I think we mentioned before, usually stewardship's uh, associated with money and how we spend our money. But what that phrase means, stewardship of beliefs, as I've pondered on it, is how have we taken ownership over our beliefs and what our what are our beliefs to us? Um, are they just a set of loosely held thoughts that kind of control, you know, who we are, um, but but allow us to be comfortable? Um, let me pull this up here. Um, so you and I could have a set of beliefs that allow us to be comfortable. Uh, what's an example of that? Um, I could say, well, I believe that God is a loving God and that as long as we believe in him and have a good heart, we'll be with him in the kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you think of something that would allow you to be comfortable as a belief, uh, whether it's right or wrong? Um, um, what you mean from a, in a religious sense or just oh, in it, any sense, uh, any sense that someone no, might I mean, like, well, one thing I've, I've seen people do is, uh, you know, they'll, they'll watch, like there'll be one particular year of, of a sports team that they, they like a certain player or something like that. And they'll say, you know, Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, you know, Chicago or Chicago, you know, bulls fan or whatever. Cause I like Jordan. You know, and then and then you're just kind of they just sort of decide that's what I am. I'm a Bulls fan, even though they've never been they've maybe never been to Chicago or, you know, they just ha- like that one player during that one season. And but forever they're a Bulls fan. Mm-hmm. You know, And so, you know, and I always find it funny when I see people living in other parts of the country wearing a sports team. You know, they're a fan of that team and yet they really have no connection to it other than just they just decided this is this is who, I'm, who my team is, you know. I think we do that. We do that in the rest in the gospel as well. We we grab certain doctrines or certain understandings and and we just sort of like set them in stone. And if you don't believe like that, then you're you're wrong. Right. Yeah. So people, when we're talking about the stewardship of your beliefs, we have a stewardship that number one, we believe truth, and we arrive at that belief honestly without prejudice, and that we honestly seek truth. So that our beliefs aren't slanted by uh, our, our upbringing, our, our culture, you know, all of these things. We're all predisposed to have certain beliefs. Um, you know, that goes into you, you could go across the ocean to a different country and their beliefs of like women in society and their position and their their role is going to be completely different than here in, you know, Western culture united states or england and almost like would be offensive to us the way they're treated but to them uh you know our culture would be offensive to them and that's just a different set of beliefs not not saying one is right or one is wrong but it definitely affects the way they interact it infects their culture and how how things you know play out so Mm -hmm. beliefs uh 
we're all predisposed to certain beliefs, but we have a stewardship if you're a Christian. If you want to follow Jesus and be involved with him and follow uh, and live your life the way he set up, uh, then at some point, I think we need to bring to the front of our mind this idea of having a stewardship over what we, what we believe. It's our responsibility to want to, to want to believe truth, to come to truth, and to arrive there honestly, and to take a look at what maybe we've held on to and why we've held on to it, and have we ever examined it. So um, I pull a slide back up here, but um, I just I wrote down here what what are what are our beliefs to us? Are they just a loose mesh of ideas that allow us to be comfortable, or are they an interactive foundation that activates who we are? that drives the way we behave, that affects the way we interact with others, that is changing our heart into a soft, broken, fleshly heart that Jesus can use. Are our beliefs changing our heart, or are we changing our beliefs according to our fleshly heart? Are we believing what we want in order to be comfortable, or are our beliefs changing us? I think that's that's important. So, We're basically talking about stewardship, taking ownership of what we believe, taking responsibility for what we believe. And have you ever thought about that in that way, that you have a responsibility for what you believe? Um, Because I think that gets into the realm of just not just how it affects me every day, but how how do I then affect others? Because that comes back to my belief set, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and I think it, you know, I think it's interesting because when you, when you think about it, we have sent missionaries in the rest from the restoration, we've sent missionaries all over the world. You know, I've been to Honduras and so we've sent people to Africa, we've sent people to, you know, po- you know, Polynesian uh, islands. And I mean, you name it, we've pretty much had missionaries there. And when we go to a, a place to do missionary work, we come in with basically we're asking the people that we're speaking to, to step back and not necessarily abandon everything that they grew up with, but we're asking them to say, you know, take a look, step away from your beliefs and take a look at what we have, you know, look at this book of Mormon that we have, listen to the message and see what, what's there. And, you know, don't necessarily abandon, for example, the Bible, but, but let us, let us show you a different way to view Christ and the gospel and the truth. And, we expect we expect others to do that when we do that missionary work, but yet are we ourselves are we open to that truth? You know, and I think that's that's something that I've kind of come to. You know, growing up in a particular religion and defending that religion, um, it, it it doesn't leave you open to other understanding that God might have for you that that you're traditions and your, you know, your culture within your religion have, have pointed you to, you know, that's not to say you abandon everything, but you have to be, at least be open and say this little piece of my religion or this little understanding that I have has, has the opportunity to be enhanced and, and grow, you know, like, for example, I worked with a guy that was a, a Muslim guy and uh, he was a, 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 a black guy and Great guy, very nice, but he was hard. He had converted over to the Muslim religion, hardcore. You know, he wore the outfit, he did the prayers, he carried the prayer mat with him to work, and 
Um, I worked for the railroad at the time and, and, and we would stop, he would actually stop the train at certain times during the day to do his prayers, you know? And I mean, he was just really, really focused on it. Well, it happened, it was happening all during this, like, you know, the, the early two thousands when we were, everyone was worried about terrorism and all that. And so he was taking a lot of heat from people at work and, and just out in the world because he was dressed as like, you know, as a Muslim, you know? And so, um, I remember working with him and I was on the train for 12 hours with this guy and, you know, we're, it's just me and him on a train for 12 hours. And, you know, we just started talking and I was just curious. And so he started telling me about his beliefs and I actually found out that we had a lot of things that we did agree on. You know, he, I mean, he knew he believed in God, he you know, knew about Abraham and you know, the, you know, a lot of the old Testament, um, you know, but at the end of the day, our beliefs were, were not the same, obviously, but I, I found that I could appreciate what he did, what we did share, I guess. And, um, you know, sharing with him, you know, I, I was open to hearing what he had to say and he was open to hearing what I had to say. Neither one of us changed our, our position or, or whatever, but, you know, I think when we lock ourselves in dogmatically to, to anything, it's, it's not good unless, unless your focus is Jesus. You know, if, if you're saying it, if you're focused on a religion, that's different than focusing on Jesus. And I think that's where we've made a lot of errors over the years in just being dogmatic about a, a, a an organization, basically. Yeah, following that line of thought, how many times in your life, Shane, have you honestly had a conversation with someone with the honest openness that if I hear truth here, if they share something with me, um, I'm open to implementing that into my life or maybe changing the way I feel or think about something? Or, or, or do you approach those moments uh, being polite, being a gentleman, you know, being kind and, and open, but, and, but, you know, half of your mind's like, uh, you know, kind of like wink, wink. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the conversation. I'm being kind and open, but in reality, I know that what you're saying has no value to me. Right. And I mean, I, to be honest, uh, you know, as a, here's a confession, I grew up believing I'm, I'm a member of and a priesthood member of the one true church. And no matter what church you're a part of, whether it be LDS or Baptist or Muslim or, or any other type of religion, you are wrong. You're apostate and, and you have nothing to offer me because I hold the keys of the kingdom. I'm a member of the true church. And so therefore, this is a one way relationship. I'm going to pass the truth to you and you're going to receive it. And if you're not going to receive it, then, then I will consider you a, a Gentile that's rejected the gospel, that's rejected the fullness of the gospel. And therefore, my heart was hardened to anything they might have to offer me where God has revealed himself to them in some way that maybe he hasn't revealed it to me. And I think that general attitude of we are the chosen ones and you have nothing to offer is, and we may not say that, but that's how we behave, you know, you know if we're honest with ourselves. Um, yeah. At least I, I did that. So, yeah. One of the things I think in, in our culture, we believe that, that ministers, people in our religion, our church have that prophetic revelatory of availability of the Holy Spirit to speak truth. And, and we all believe the scriptures tell us that we're called to speak with the tongues of angels, to speak the words of Christ to one another, to speak truth to one another, if the Holy Spirit's interacting with us. Um, but I've, I admit in my life growing up, I, I held of great value uh, those members of the Restoration Priesthood, and, and rightfully so, I think I should, and I think people should do that. I mean, you should respect and and uh, believe in the faith and the culture that you're in. Um, 
Otherwise, why be in it, right? It, 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 <laughs> at least whatever you're involved in, believe and have faith and act in that. Uh, and I'm not saying any of that's gone away, but I, I believe that God also can and is working with other people and speaking to other people through and speaking to me through other people. When I was dating my wife uh, in the ER, there were three pivotal moments in our relationship as we were dating. She was not a member of the church. She had been married before and lost her first husband. He, he passed away. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, I was, I was at that point, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to marry my, my wife. She, you know, she's being a member of the church, have, have be willing to raise our children in the church, you know, the one true church, accept the book of Mormon, all of these things. You know, I had a list of those things and she hadn't, she wasn't checking off any of those things on the list. Right. But I knew she was a kind person. So I was like, uh, I was really having a hard time. And I remember one of the first things she said to me was, she's like, I, I just, I want to get a job. I want to move out of Jackson County. I don't want to be here. I want to, <laughs> it was like everything opposite of what I had. I just moved from Ohio to Independence, Missouri, right? Because of my, my religion, not just, but I had, you know, years mm -hmm. earlier, I was here for my religious beliefs and here she's wanting to move away. So anyway, three pivotal moments where people spoke to me. None of them were church members. I remember one time the pharmacy at work, this, this lady said something to me and I was about ready to just call this dating relationship off. And it changed my entire thought process and opened my eyes to something I hadn't seen. And if that moment hadn't taken place, I, I really feel like the Lord spoke to me through her. Um, then that, you know, we may not be here today, Kristen and I. So it's, it, it's that belief, you know, if I was so willing to, to, in my mind, think, you don't, you know, your advice is okay, but I'm not going to take it with any, give it any weight. Then, you know, I would have suffered from that. But I think I was open in that moment, or at least the Lord said, this is truth that you're hearing, run with it. And because of that, we've, we've been blessed. So, right. but yeah, our pre, our preconceptions, our prejudices uh, can keep us from, from believing truth and so we have as part of our stewardship we have to be aware of those prejudices that we bring into any situation yeah and i think it it's it's not just whether your beliefs are right or wrong or they're the truth or not the truth it's also just your your softness of your heart in in listening to other people you know in really here i mean to be able to have a true heart to heart heartfelt conversation with another person listening to what they're saying you know, validating the things that they say that are clearly truth and, and being kind of this sort of gentle warmness to things that aren't the truth. I mean, you know, not, not like you, not that you're believing them, but just that you're, you're having compassion and you're having grace and you're having love and, and you're not coming from this sort of spiritual superiority, you know, this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the truth to you rather than, rather you're just saying, we're going to, we're going to discover the truth together. I know God loves you has revealed truth to you and and he's done the same with me and we're, we're walking next to each other on a path i'm not above you you know condescending to your level but rather we're just right. on a journey we're on a journey together and, and we're gonna and it may be that you and i walk together and i find we find no truth in common we find nothing in common but if we have that attitude of love that right there is truth in and of itself is having love you think about the two commandments that god gave love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, my mind, and strength. They're both about love. 
you know, and, and I remember back to what Barbara Bauman said, this is like echoed in my mind since she said it. And it's just kind of a simple phrase, but she said, we just need to learn how to love better. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this is. I mean, when you look online and, you know, I look like I go on like the LDS, you know, chat rooms and, and the art, some of our uh, restoration branch chat rooms, you start seeing this, you know, sometimes you see, you don't always, but sometimes you see this sort of lashing out, like, no, that's wrong. And, you know, you're going to find out when, you know, brother white's vision comes truth, you know, you're going to see that, you know, independence is going to be, you know, a ring of fire. And I mean, all this kind of stuff. And there's like, there's no, there's no kind of loving, gentle communication with humility and, and kindness. And that's, uh, that's a problem. I mean, that's, that's really, that's the fruit of what happens when you lock yourself in and you harden your heart to anything else. Um, you know, I was looking, I was thinking about the, when Christ came to uh, the saints or to the people here in the Americas, the first thing he told them, you know, when he ascended was he said, you no longer have to perform sacrifices, you know? And then he said that the sacrifice that you, that you need to bring is that of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And the broken heart is, is not about necessarily just like sad that you committed sin or sad that you, you know, that you are unclean before God, but it's also like breaking a horse where you're, you're bringing that horse into submission. You're taking all those rough edges that make that horse wild and crazy and running through a field and knocking over fences and, you know, impossible to, to use, but you're bridling that horse. You're, you're teaching that horse to calm down, to, to be able to pull a wagon calmly and, and obey commands and be able to turn to the right when you pull the reins of the right and turn to the left when you pull the reins of the left. It's bringing it into submission to where it's gentle and it's calm and it's, it's responsive. Our heart has to be the same way. It's got to be calm and gentle and submissive to the Holy Spirit and loving to other people. So that they, they, when they meet you, even though you might come from a totally different background and your beliefs might seem on the surface to be completely, you know, like you believe in the Book of Mormon, you believe in all these doctrines that they find is completely part of a cult or whatever, but yet they see the love of God in your heart and they feel that kind spirit. And that is what converts people to the gospel is the love of God, you know, flowing through us to others and God, and they feel God's love for them. That's the gospel is loving people. And so we, and not in kind of a touchy feely emotional way, but genuine where you're helping your neighbor, you know, fix his car in the middle of a snowstorm or, you know, it's the sacrificial love, you know, and, and I don't think we, I don't think you see that when you're talking to somebody in an online conversation and debating about doctrinal points. We're going to talk about, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about how the technology and internet has affected uh, beliefs, but, uh, but what you're saying, that's a great way to judge. Ask yourself right now, do I love people more today than I did a year ago or 10 years ago? Is my heart moving in that direction? And if not, then, then part of the stewardship of your belief system needs to be examined and you have to ask yourself why either I, either I'm not holding tightly enough to my beliefs or my beliefs maybe are, are incorrect. Um, before we go back, we got already off script a little bit, but I, I wanted to bring up a, a thought that I had this week. I spent yesterday morning several hours with a friend in Panera uh, talking over because we'd had some differences that, that had come out on the Internet. And, uh, and because we both valued our relationship, we got together and talked. One thing that that has been on my mind uh, in regards to that and, and other things is the very nature of God 
God reveals himself to us in such a way that we can't almost can't comp we, we can't comprehend the very nature of him. He tells us that he's one, that he's the father who is God, that he's the spirit who is God, and that God is Jesus. So Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Spirit is God. But the Father is not Christ, and Christ is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. So even though these are all one, they're separate, mm -hmm. and yet they're one. And we argue and debate over that, and God has, like, he's revealed himself to us in a way that, like, you guys can't, I'm telling you to have faith in this, but I know in your heart and in your mind, this is beyond what you can comprehend. Right. And so it's like, I was thinking, arriving at that belief that I understand the nature of God, Shane, like you do, is an impossibility. Right. And yet it's not the most important thing. He says, exercise faith in this and treat one another well as you do that. So in other words, the end result to me, I think we've put the end result is every one of us has to be one and believe exactly the same. And that's not anywhere near as important as every one of us has to have an honest faith and belief in Jesus and be moving towards him. In other words, he says, repent and come unto me. This is my gospel. More or less than this is of the devil. We have to honestly be coming to Jesus, and that is, a, is repenting, willing to change. And that walk and that process is, is the important thing in how we treat one another. It's not, am I believing and understanding the same way as Shane is? That's never going to happen. Uh, uh, don't hear me wrong. One day we will all know truth. One day it'll be written inside of us. One day we will no longer need the scriptures or even to be taught. This is what mm -hmm. the scriptures tell us because, because the spirit will be, we will know. We will have that ability. We will be like God and we will know truth. Right. But until that day, we can't hold well. We can't hold on to truth so tightly that we that we um, that we constantly beat one another up with this rod of truth, thinking you have to see things my way. And if you don't, then you know I'm going to call you out on it, and you're going to be you're going to be put in this camp over here where you're not you're not worthy, and you're not as you don't have as much worth as I do. Right. And that's a very important stewardship of our beliefs is how we take those beliefs and hold on to them and do we beat one another over the head with them even if i may be right and someone else wrong or do we use you know do we believe that other people have worth and um it doesn't necessarily mean that what's going on in your brain cognitively your understanding at the moment is on the exact same page that's it's just not the goal god <laughs> god presents himself to us in a way that i'm never going to comprehend him the way you do shane until he until we have that revealed to us, it's, it's too far above us. Well, and, and that's, and that's a good point. And I, and I think to kind of further enhance that is that God is, he is an, he is individual with each of us. He treats us individually, you know, because he knows every atom within our cells. He knows every single event that's happened in our lives, things that you can't even remember that happened even in the womb. You know, I mean, there's things that obviously he knows everything. And so, when he presents himself to me, you know, whether it be in, in, in the form of Jesus or in the form of just, you know, speaking to me with his spirit, or if he appeared in his fullness, my perception of who he is, who he is, who he is to me is always going to be different than he, who he is to you because he will be different to you than he is to me. 
like he'll meet my, maybe I need more of a father figure. You know, maybe you need more of a friend or, you know, maybe if you're, you know, if you're in a healthy person, maybe he's more of a physician to you, you know, and I, and he, I mean, Jesus tells us that he's our friend, he's our brother, he's our, you know, our, our, our God, our, our father, our, you know, the son of God. I mean, he, he basically, he is custom, he custom presents himself to you where you are in your spiritual walk and in your life. You know, my summer, he's, my wife presents himself as a mother, as a mother exactly, hen, as yeah. a mother hen. Yeah. Gathereth her wings and her, yeah. Gather mm-hmm. chicks under her wings. You know, um, and my wife Summer made a, a really good point the other day. We were talking about this topic, and that is the 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 rod of iron, the vision of Lehi. You know, people were appearing in that vision everywhere. You had people at the building, you had people in the filthy water, you had people on the path, but they were on different places on the path. There were some that were in the they were in the middle of the mists of darkness. There were some that were mid midstream. They come out of the mists of darkness, but they weren't to the tree yet. There were some that were at the tree that had partaken of the tree. And there were some that had partaken and then they became ashamed. You know, and so you have all these places along this spiritual path. And the path is, you know, ideally is always going towards God, always towards Christ to discover the love of Christ. And, and you know, there was people that left. There were other paths that said it went, it went into strange paths. They weren't even at the pit tower at the uh, space building. They were on strange paths, You're completely away from the rod and going somewhere else. And so... Each one of us is somewhere in that scenario. We're either at the building, stuck in the world and can't let go, or you know, or may, maybe we're at the tree and we've partaken of the fruit. Maybe we've partaken of the fruit. And we're like Lehi. We're looking back at our family, saying, "Why can Why won't you guys just grab the rod and come to me?" You know, we're all in this different place, and God is right there with us in that place. If if you're in the spacious building, He's there. His Spirit's there. It's not going to abandon you until you finally make that decision where I'm. I don't want you in my life, you know, and, and he's with us. He, you're in the midst of darkness. You're, you're in a horrible struggle in your life. You're, you're in deep depression. You, you've lost a, a child or, or, or your spouse is abandoning you or whatever, wherever you are in that journey, he's there. And who he is to you in that moment is going to change as your situation changes. Sometimes you need a best friend and he's that. And then yeah. other times, other times you need a, a physician and he's there for that, you know, and, and that's, what's so great about God is that, because of his infinite infiniteness and he's outside of time, he can be in all these places all at the same time and being who we need him to be. He is to you who you need and he is to me who I need. And that that's that's to me is the good news, you know, because we need him. We're we're such a mess. <laughs> uh, I had a, 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 a good mentor and friend one time told me when things are going well is the time that you solidify those beliefs like it's. Uh, because when things aren't going well, you need them. And th- when things are going well in our lives, I think we we don't really think about the stewardship of our beliefs or what we believe or or how we're interacting with God. You know, He's just there, and we believe in Him. But that's when you really, really need to d- drill down and solidify your foundation. Because when the waves come and start knocking around everything you thought was true, those beliefs are going to matter. And it's it's hard to do. Cause, I mean, we I know there's a there's probably wisdom there that or a truth there that opposition is what really, um, really helps our beliefs to be solidified. But I wanted to talk about just this, uh, holding on to our beliefs and how tightly we hold to them, that that's part of the stewardship. You know, if we, if we just hold them loosely so that we can be comfortable or do we hold on to them so tightly that if it affects how we act and how we, how we treat one another. So let me, 
let me ask this question. So people, if people believe that the president of the United States affects their well-being, you know, how good their life is, how good they're going to be allowed to uh, obtain the things they want, and the wrong person gets into office, you can see the anger well up, right? We, we <laughs> The internet battles well up and things like that. But if you believe that Jesus Christ has all the power in the world to get you through this life and give you what you need, then though you may wish and hope that a certain political party is in office, your whole, your whole life doesn't, doesn't fall apart when the wrong party is elected, right? You, you see people like that when, when the wrong person's in office, nothing else is talked about for four years other than we've got to change this. And, you know, this is wrong and look at all the bad things that are happening, you know, right or wrong, but that's the focus. Right. And that, that's, that's what, um, and that goes back to what you believe, Right. right. You believe that I can't prosper. I can't have my family can't have what they need, what they want until the right political parties in office. Well, I think I think Jesus really showed us right there. Um, you know, he when they came to him and they were like they were trying the Pharisees were trying to trip him up and, you know, get him to say, you know, don't pay taxes to Rome and all that. You know, he basically said, who's mo- whose face is on that money? You know, well, it's Caesar, you know, well, then give back to Caesar what's his. You know, in, in other words, it just doesn't matter. I mean, obviously you vote, you participate in the country and you, you know, you know who you're voting for and you, you understand some of their, what they're going to stand for and, and you support, you know, our, our country because it's, it's a covenant land that we live on and we want to keep that covenant. But first and foremost is where your spiritual life is. And you can, you can let four years of a bad president consume your thoughts and right. take you and distract you from what God wants you to do. You know, your attitude. Well, I've, taken, I've taken this into the, I, I'll give one for me and be honest about this. This is uh this for me was taken into the church realm uh, for, for a long time up until recently. Uh, you know, I was blaming the church, you know, things aren't um, going to function properly until the church is functioning properly. Like I'm going to, we're going to suffer as a people. We're going to suffer until we get the church functioning and in order. You know, we need to we need to have structure and and bring back everything that was. And um, until we focus on the right things and get our ducks in a row, you know, we're just going to suffer as a people. And there's not a bunch, you know, there's not a lot of hope there for our worship services, for anything we try to do. And and that that began to change. And I began to see better fruit in my life when I when I stepped back from realizing that the church is not uh an organization although perhaps it, it should be you know perhaps the the body of believers and an organization should should all be on the same page it hardly ever is it's usually the organization that moves away from the doctrine uh but the church is people that are wanting to serve christ and i started seeing this beauty within my own congregation within other congregations excuse me i'm gonna mute this because i had a cough really bad within other congregations um, that regardless of what's going on in the structure or the hierarchy or the leadership or, or any of that, that there's people really honestly seeking Jesus. And that was beautiful to me. And so, you know, I could start going to services on Sunday and, and although maybe, maybe the gospel is not preached in power that Sunday, or maybe it is, or, or maybe class in Sunday school got off on something that has nothing to do in my opinion of salvation, or maybe it didn't. But the fact is, 
I'm there with people that are earnestly seeking Jesus. And those, those are the church to me. And so watching that happen and being involved in, in continued um, discussion and, and reading of the scriptures and the word is, is delightful. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, but it took, uh, it took my belief to change and realize that Jesus, you know, can and will bless and interact with us regardless of the status of the organization when there are people honestly seeking him. He's so merciful and he so wants to bless his children. Um, right. So even though we're, we may be way far off from his ideal, as we seek him, we are his church and he still blesses us. Even though the end result is not, is not yet where it's supposed to be. There's so much joy in the journey yet. Um, right. And you can spend your whole life waiting to arrive at a place that you want to be and miss the total, the total joy in the journey. Uh, my friend posted something the other day. He said, you, if the average age of death is 78 and people retire at 65, you've got about 13 years to live that people look forward to where they don't have to work every day. 13 years, 13 years of what you perceive to be the best time of your life. And, and if that's what you look forward to, how much joy and how many years are wasted trying to arrive at that point, you miss the joy in the journey. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it um, you know, another thing that I think we, we tend to do is we, we silo, we silo our beliefs into certain categories. We categorize things. I, I know I do. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, I grew up thinking, um, okay, so drinking is a sin. Um, and, and I'd almost like measure like a check mark list of whether I'm righteous or not. Okay. So I don't drink, you know, I don't smoke. Um, you know, I don't go to, I don't dance. I don't go to parties. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't drink coffee. You know, uh, we, we have this list of kind of do's right. and don'ts that sort of label who don't we are. Tobacco, don't hang out with anybody that does, you know, that's, right, that's, right. that's, that's how you decide who's a member of the, right. Right. And, and so, you know, it's like, um, and, but what's sad about that is like, I got this guy that, that I used to work with. Um, his name was Bob and Bob was a, he liked beer and, and not like get completely drunk, wasted kind of beer, just a beer now and then. And he actually brewed his own beer and he, he was a, but he was also a Christian guy. And, you know, I believe he loved Jesus. I really do. Yeah, I mean, we had some long talks at work and, you know, we had, he knew the scriptures and he just, he liked beer. And so he would have, he had a, some other friends that he, that he enjoyed doing this. He'd, he'd brew these different kind of micro brew flavors or whatever. And, and he'd have these friends come over and they, they, they called it beers and Bible. And it was like a Bible study and they each had a beer, which, you know, for me and my coming up in the restoration, I was just like, ugh, you know, I mean, it's just how in the world could you even, you know, I just, I judged him so harshly. How could you do that? You know? And, and, and I still, to this day, I've never drank a beer, so I'm not promoting it in any, any way. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, because of my harshness towards him, I had judgment and I really couldn't even hardly talk to him about it. it, it, right. I, found it I found it so repulsive that he would even say beer and Bible in the same sentence, you know, that <laughs> we really couldn't even talk. I mean, yeah, if you were, if you were yeah. in Europe. And, and, and the culture across the seas, uh, uh, sitting down with a glass of wine for dinner or, or drinking a, a stout of ale and smoking a pipe uh, it, it would be perfectly acceptable as a Christian or in part of that community. Um, right. But, but uh, especially Latter-day Saint culture, it's like, no, don't, don't drink, smoke, chew, 
coast right. or hang out with anybody that does right and so right. that's just it's part of culture that that affects our beliefs and how we look at people yeah right and i'm not saying that i've changed in that i'm not i haven't changed in the perspective of okay well it's okay to drink now i'm not saying that and i don't still but my attitude was wrong i was sinning in my attitude of this guy has nothing he can share with me because he drinks so therefore he doesn't have any truth and that's just not the case. You know, sin is sin. We all have sins. We're all on the same page. We're all walking down the same road. We might be in a different spot along the path, you know, holding on to the rod. We might be in the midst of darkness. We might have let go of the rod. We're trying to find our way back. But we're all on this journey. And if we're moving well, towards Jesus, then, you know. Here's the thing that, like, so, and this takes us to the next talking point, pride and honesty. And how does that, how does that tie into our belief system? it seems so easy to say uh, drinking a beer, studying the Bible, nothing good is going to come from that. But what about studying the Bible and having a heart full of pride? Right. That's to me, an honest guy uh, tasting his microbrew and studying the Bible could, could and having a love for other people and having a desire to do that could be so much more uh, fruitful than, you know, someone who, who sits back and, and looks down their nose and, and, and yet is so full of pride. They're, they're not going to produce, good fruit so that's my question is how does pride pride versus honesty if you really mm -hmm. want to know truth and, and be a steward over what you believe how much honesty is present in your life to want to know what god has to reveal to you and how much does your pride prevent that from happening and i when i say that word pride we may want to think of something obvious, but how, you know, how sneaky is pride, Shane? How, how many ways does it have its tentacles wrapped into our life, into our soul, into our past experiences that we don't have a clue right. about? It really takes honest introspection and prayer. Yeah. I mean, it's pride is, is definitely the, the underlying problem with so many of, of people that believe in God is that, you know, it's like, Satan tries to get distract you from the truth, but then when you find the truth, he tries to tell you how righteous you are because you found the truth, you know, and it's the same, it's the same deception and you're just coming at it from a different angle. Um, you know, when, when you were talking, I was thinking about Jonah, you know, so here's Jonah, who's the prophet of God, house of Israel, you know, he, he's God's prophet. And uh, at that particular time period, and God wants him to go preach to the Ninevites and the Ninevites are, not house of israel they're not you know they're not god's chosen people they're 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 idolatrous and and ugly and you know they have things that jonah just can't can't live with you know and so he's like no i'm going the other way and so he runs from god and you know god finally you know I mean, everybody knows the story you know he gets swallowed the whale or the fish and all that but anyway so he gets back to nineveh and god tells him to go down and preach to the ninevites you know so he's like okay fine so he goes down and he does a very minimalistic sermon he just barely basically says repent god's gonna destroy you and leaves you know okay god i did it <laughs> you know and then he goes up on a hill waiting to see god's judgment he's so excited to see god judge these people you know and then when god doesn't do it he goes into deep depression and he's mad at god and he's full and sorry for himself and wants to die you know and it's like how often do we do that where we say, you know, I'm on the right team. I'm on, I'm part of the true church. I'm one of the chosen people and I'm going to, it's going to be great to see you get your judgment. 
you know, and I think we, I think we do that all the time and we just don't, we don't, maybe we don't say it that bluntly or, you know, obviously, but we, we have, or I have had that feeling of, well, you're going to find out the truth, you know, and that's a, that's a Jonah attitude. Right. He was, he was one of the worst prophets of the Bible as far as I'm concerned, but it was great that we have that record because you can see, you know, where many of us live. That's where many of us operate. Well, when you think of pride, uh, you know, I think an easy image comes, you know, a professional athlete wearing a thousand, you know, $10,000 piece of jewelry around their neck with their initials and how great they are. And that that's an over uh, type of pride. Uh, it was so obvious, but, but the sneaky, pride is what satan wants to use and ones that, that isn't so obvious that um even takes on the form of humility that you you think you're humble or you think you're being humble but in reality uh there's a pride lurking underneath that that um that has been built up in your experiences in life and it really takes i mean it's, it's a lifelong process to have that rooted out but that is the barrier between honestly seeking beliefs um and truth for your beliefs to be honest so so i think in stewardship of beliefs being aware of pride versus um honesty or or those two connected asking yourself okay so here's let's talk about anger for a minute so you're you see a, a post on on facebook or you're talking to or you hear somebody talking in public and they say something that's offensive to your core belief system and you get angry. So if someone here, okay, we'll, we'll take it to personal level. Someone hears you and I discussing something on uh, to the church that maybe isn't the standard traditional value, but we're, we're looking at scripture and, and just questioning is, is this a possibility? And they get angry. What is that root of that anger? Anger doesn't, I may be wrong on this, but right now I'm thinking anger is not an emotion that exists independently. It's, it's the, it's the result of a different emotion tied to it, whether it be jealousy or insecurity or pride. Uh, those are the type of things that, that, that reveal themselves usually in anger. So when I get angry, when I hear something, I have to say, am I angry because I'm insecure in my own belief system? You know, maybe I hear that and I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to consider that. You know, I have to be right in what I believe and, and, and yet maybe there's been something in my life where I'm thinking, maybe I've questioned some things. And then when someone else says something, it, it just brings that up, you know, and I realize. And so I want to fight back and say, no, you're wrong. I don't want to, I don't want to consider that because you're insecure. You haven't had Jesus. Re if you're secure and Jesus has revealed truth to you, it's like, that's too bad you feel that way because I, I Jesus has just shown me that that's not true, but there shouldn't be an anger attached to it. If anything, it should be an empathy and a, a sadness, right? Or a, or a love or, or a desire to pray for someone who sees things differently. But if anger is your first response, I think that's a really good indicator that you need to dive deeper and be a better steward over why, why do I feel this way? And why do I, why is my belief allowing me to feel this way? Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, no, it does. I think, I think what, ha I think what's happened is we, some of, sometimes we take things and it becomes our identity. We, we embrace something so strongly and so firmly that it becomes who we are. And so when someone questions it, it's like they're questioning you. 
and, and that pride mm -hmm. of your, you know, the internal pride says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You know, do you, you can't talk about that. I know about that. This, that's mine. I own that, you know? And I, I guess an, here's an example. So if I was to say to you, Mike, the, uh, the doctrine covenants has false revelation in it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, if your first response is, what are you talking about? That scripture, you know, and you get mad, you know, that would be, I mean, I, I think that would be an example of where, where you've, you've made that your identity. I mean, that's part of your identity. You, that is who you are. You believe that that scripture, every word in there is the scriptures and it's no different than the book of Mormon or the Bible. And you're going to defend it till, till death, you know, and you, and you feel justified in that because, you know, you believe that to be the truth and therefore fighting about it is me defending the truth. You know, I'm defending God's honor kind of a thing. But if you step back from it, look at, what is, so what is the Doctrine and Covenants? The Doctrine and Covenants is a series of revelations over time that have been compiled and added, added you know, to, to this canon. And there have been some that have been put in there that have actually been removed. So there's the revelation on baptism for the dead that was brought forth by Joseph Smith, who, and those of us in the Restoration Branches, we don't, we don't, we don't hold that as truth. You know, we've taken that's actually been removed from the Doctrine and Covenants, put in the appendix, and I think now the newer versions don't have it in there at all. You know, and so you have to you have to say, okay, well, so so that was that was part of the Doctrine and Covenants. So why why are we not why are we not angry about that? The fact you know that we if I was to say, do you believe in baptism of the dead? I think most people in our in our circles would say, no, that's not that's not truth. Baptism is for the remission of sins. How can you get baptized for somebody else? That doesn't right. make sense. Well, and so. You know, so that's uh, that's where an example of I think where you have to look at it honestly and say, does this scripture, no matter who brought it forward, no matter how long it's been a part of the the belief system that we've all grown up with, does this match previous scripture, previous revelation? Because God doesn't change, and so if it's if it doesn't match, if it doesn't if it doesn't connect, then we just have to call it a false revelation and we move on. We don't judge anyone. We don't judge Joseph for bringing that forward. We don't judge, you know, any the the people that voted that scripture into the Doctrine and Covenants. We don't vote. We don't judge them. But bringing it into beliefs, uh, uh, what you're saying is, if that's your identity, you know, if if you've made that a part of your core beliefs, that this this entire, you know, which which that's a hard one because it's it's almost too obvious. Like we all agree that up to a certain point, we just quit believing in revelations. You know, now now they're reprinted. You know, half you know the last twenty or so aren't even in there. I think they go to one forty four. Some some of the organizations printing, but let's say that someone says, "Shane, well, I've had this growing up." You know, the Book of Mormon is ridiculous. I mean, you guys are a bunch of cults. You know, cult following Joseph Smith, following Mormons. You're Mormons. No, I'm not a Mormon. I don't. You know, I believe in the Book of Mormon, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, you're Mormon. So if someone says that the Book of Mormon is just the work of man and it's not the Scriptures. Does that cause you to be angry or, and I can honestly say when people tell that to me, I don't, I used to get angry. I don't, it doesn't bother me at all anymore because that book has been so lovely and delightful to my soul that I have a sure foundation. In other words, it's a sure foundation to me. It doesn't, right. it doesn't rock my foundation. It doesn't rock my belief in it. And so I'm not insecure in that. And so I don't have that anger well up anymore. I, I actually genuinely feel sad for people that, they don't want to incorporate that into their belief system because I think it would give them a higher quality of life. 
uh, right. very simple. But if you don't know if it's true and you've and you've kind of wrestled with that and someone says the Book of Mormon is just a bunch of bunk, that can cause you to be angry if if your identity is uh, an insecure identity in it. Right. right. Uh, so that's well, and even if you believe it's true, you can make that your identity. You can you can take that when that that attack can be you're telling me that I don't that I'm that right. I'm wrong, that I you're invalidating me, you know, it, and you can't do that. I mean, the book stands on its own. It has nothing to do with who I am. True. You know, I, I believe it with all my heart. I, I would I would lay down my life defending the truth that's found therein. It has ministered to me. I know it's true. I have plenty of testimonies of it. You know, it, 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 when I read it, it comforts me. And, but like you say, it, it's not who I am. And, and mm -hmm. if someone talks bad about it, I may try to convince them. Otherwise I may try to share some testimonies that I've had, but it's always going to be with love and respect. I've had, you know, I've been putting the book of Mormon on, on YouTube and, and I've had some people troll me, you know, say, Oh, you know, I can't believe you believe this or, or how could you believe something so ridiculous golden plates in Ohio or, or in, in New York and all this kind of thing. And, and it's kind of funny because I'll sometimes I've responded. I mean, I always respond, you know, either just to say, okay, well, thanks for, thanks for, thanks for checking out my site, you know, and God bless and good luck to you or whatever. But, you know, I've had sometimes where I'll respond in this, in this kind and loving way. And the person's kind of surprised. Like, wait a minute, wait, wait, what? You know, they're, they're expecting me to be nasty and, and be, you know, be nasty back because they're being nasty to me. Right. But you come back with love and you, you know, say, you know, like, for example, I'll say, well, you know, I don't believe everything, every single thing that Joseph Smith said was, was necessarily true. I think he was a man. He, he, he made mistakes. But I do believe the Book of Mormon is true. And they'll be like, wait a minute. So you don't think Joseph Smith was, was like a perfect prophet like Jesus? And no, he was a man. And, and this is a book that, that I believe is from God. But Joseph Smith, you know, it's it's not they're not tied together. I mean, Joseph, God used Joseph Smith to bring that book forward. But what Joseph Smith did on his own as Joseph Smith is, you know, he's he's accountable for his own his own actions and has nothing to do with the Book of Mormon. And, uh, you know, and there's been people that have been kind of surprised and actually have carried on dialogue, you know, and, and like like actually communicating rather than just like trolling with you know angry, nasty messages. And it's amazing when you allow love to come into your conversation, it sort of, it takes the, the insecurities and, and the whole, you know, identity thing just sort of gets pushed aside. And now all I, my only identity is, is a follower of Jesus. And that, and that identity, it, it only brings forth love and, and patience and kindness. And I'm not saying I'm always kind and patient and all that, but when I allow God to, to make my, my heart soft and just share with people out of love, even if I know their intent is, is, is dark, it, it just changes everything. And it makes life so much easier. You know, if you, when you trying to, trying to fight back and defend the truth and get angry at, you know, people talking bad about things you, you hold dear, you make your life much more difficult, much harder, you know? Yeah. So when, when, when you're talking about beliefs, and all this is mostly from a religious standpoint, because that's what we're here. That's what this podcast is about, but our walk with Jesus. When you start to feel angry, you have to start. It's, it's a great, it's a great, I think the Lord allows us that anger. It's a great, it's a great moment, a teaching moment for you to decide how do you want to be responsible for your beliefs and, and how much pride are you going to allow into your life to just go down that path where I'm angry 
I'm not going to figure out why I'm just, it's just because I'm right and I'm righteous and I should be angry at those things that aren't righteous. It's a righteous anger. Or are you going to evaluate why do I feel this way? Is it out of insecurity? Do I need to dive into the word and become more secure in what I believe? Is it out of um, fear? What if what I believe isn't right? How is that going to affect my, my walk with the Lord? And that's such a great moment to, because there is fear involved. Well, what if my whole belief system falls apart? And it's like, well, what, what was your belief system then? Jesus is never going to fall apart. Right. His plan for you to be in his kingdom is never going to change. That's, that's a rock solid foundation. You were created from a creator that is so loving that wants the best for you, that has a great plan for you. That's your foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, go back and maybe change what your foundation is. Take a look, take an evaluation. What is my foundation? Why am I getting angry all the time when people are discussing things? Uh, why am I, am I fearful? You know, those, those things are, are, um, are important. And, and it leads to so many other, other questions that we have to evaluate. Um, I've got some talking points here to look at as far as what is our beliefs and how do we deal with, with these things. But, um, I'll probably save that for next time. Um, yeah, awkward pause here as I read my notes. Okay, well, I want to talk. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, it, it and I think that what you're saying there is, is important that it is about your walk with Jesus. And, you know, I think sometimes we focus on the fruit of our beliefs or what the fruit should be of our beliefs, and those become the beliefs. So, in other words, you know, the fruit of the fruit of if you're if your Jesus is in your heart. And you're one with him, you're going to be full of love, or and you're going to be full of patience. And but then I think sometimes we make the fruit the religion, you know, like the fruit of of righteousness might be you know get the gathering of Israel and building of Zion. Those are fruits of righteousness, but you can't focus on just the fruit. You got to focus on Jesus, and when you do that, those other things are going to happen automatically, you know. Um, in other words, like you know, I've seen I've seen even political organizations focus on say for example love you know taking care of the poor or whatever but but then they'll sacrifice morality to do that in other words it becomes about taking care of the poor rather than the relationship with Jesus which will result in taking care of the poor and so i think we we sort of get our we get our minds and it's a trick of satan get us focus on end results rather than what what causes those results the cause of zion you know, rather than focusing on the actual, you know, the, the minutia of the building of it or, or you know, the, the people involved or whatever. You're focusing right. on the, the prophecies about it rather than preparing yourself spiritually to, to come into God's presence. Well, I want to talk just a moment. Maybe we'll close on this thought process on as far as our beliefs and how we how we interact today, because social media, we can't we can't ignore that. I mean, we're using that right now. Um but here's the, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. It's so funny. It's like, we're supposed to be following Jesus, right? We, we it used to be, you could choose, you know, which, which news network you listen to, to know, you know, how, how you want to receive your news and how it makes you feel, you know, what, what the, today, you know, you have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all of these things. You actually get it. You, you actually go in there and you hit follow. I'm going to follow this person because you see a, you see a statement or a meme or a little comment that makes you feel good about what you believe. 
you know, and supports what you believe and makes you feel real solid in that. And you think, and usually, you know, maybe it's putting someone else down or a little sarcasm or, or it just kind of makes you feel. And so what do you do? You hit follow. So then every time a thought process like that pops up or a person that holds to that belief puts out some more information, you get to receive it. And you just keep building and building and building and solidifying how you feel and who you are and what you believe in. And that happens over and over and over. And we are so being programmed to be completely solidified and cemented into a certain pattern of thinking that nothing's going to change that because everybody we surround ourselves with and all of the thoughts that come at us and go into our brain all day long, we've programmed those to come to us mm-hmm. so that we keep continually being reinforced at what we believe is better. And so this is a huge thing in talking about stewardship of our beliefs is how much have you are are we doing that in our life and how much time are we spending with that kind of information coming at us as opposed to uh, maybe some opposite views or or more open views or having honest dialogue with people that'll 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 feed your pride and your change who you are on the inside more than anything i think is the way we have the ability to follow a certain thought a certain a certain thought process these days mm-hmm. there's and our kids are gonna our children i shouldn't say that it affects me as an adult. I don't even think my son's on that kind of stuff for a whole lot. But, I mean, it affects who we are as people, as Christians, as leaders in the church, as members right. of, of, of the body of Christ. So well, I think – go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I think social media in general is is such a – it's a two-edged sword. It can be used to spread things all over the world, you know, like we're trying to do here. But it, it also – it's so – it's so dangerous because it's so um, kind of cheap, you know, it's cheap communication. You know, I can post on there what I had for breakfast and get 50, <laughs> 50 you know, 50 thumbs up and I'll go out and leave my house feeling good about, you know, what I did for breakfast and all my, all my, all the approvals that I got, you know, but they're not really relationships. They're not, you know, it's not face-to-face communication and, and, and a deepening rich relationship. It's kind of a, a hit and run, you know, I mean, I've seen people post, you know, scripture thing. They'll post some random thing on, on Facebook or on whatever, Twitter or whatever, and say some comment. And then a hundred people respond, you know, it's almost like poking the bear to see the reaction of all the people afterwards. And I, and I think really that's the key in our walk with Christ is that we have to be believe people that are truly moving towards Christ have to be responsive and not reactive you know, a response requires you to think about what you're doing and, and, and pray about it and be thoughtful. And it's not just like an, a quick emotional, you know, human reaction to things. And, you know, Facebook and social media is so easy. You're going to hit a button and say, I approve this, you know, just the like and boom, you're done, you know, and, or, or you can, you know, type in some quick little, little quick little quip back, you know, and it may be nasty or it may not be, it may not be meant to be that way, but it comes across that way. And it's just hard to really communicate you know, via this technology. Um, but I think it's in, it happens in our, you know, even in, in person now, I mean, we've kind of, sh- it, we, I don't know, it seems like our communication has cheapened over time. And if you really want to connect with people, you know, I think you just have to have real dialogue and, and really listen to what they're saying, you know, and let them speak and, 
then you speak when at, when when it's your opportunity and you really deeply understand one another rather than sort of this cheap kind of hit and run mentality right. that, that we've become accustomed to. Well, we're tying sounds sound like we're tying beliefs into value, and and we have to ask you know ask the question when examining the stewardship of your beliefs, an honest question: What do I value? And what what do I desire? Mm-hmm. And then from there, move forward in examining your beliefs. Do you value? I mean, do you honestly value knowing truth? Do you value loving other people? above being right do you desire to know truth do you desire those things and if you if you do then you then your beliefs uh will fit into that that's that mindset that philosophy if you don't value that do you want to value that do i want to value my relationships with people over this this unbending pursuit of truth so that i can feel good about who i am or would I rather love people regardless of whether they're right or wrong and realize that just not name only they're going to be my brother or sister, but I really feel in my heart they're my brother and sister, and I don't feel mm-hmm. superior to them because they might think or believe something different than me. I mean, we really, really, really think so many times that Jesus is just there with his arm around us going, I know, I know, I know man, I feel the same way about them. They're wrong. I know, but it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> It's like we're gonna we're gonna go to that to that gate at the end of our life and say, "Hey, hey, I was uh, I was right, wasn't I?" Like you didn't really want like one prophet, leader, mouthpiece over the church, right? Right. Or all, like, or all these people that drink coffee, they really are all right. wrong, right? He's gonna be like, "Yep, you're right, you're right." I'll be like, "All right, thanks, have fun." Let me in. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." Right. Right. There's some other things we need to go over here. Sir, (laughs) number one is you sure didn't love people very well so let's talk about whether or not there's a place in the kingdom right i mean it's like hey the whole homosexual thing i was right about there oh yeah 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 right all right here i go i'm in no oh oh. some other things we need to go over first (laughs) yeah and and, well this really is human nature and you know when jesus calls us his sheep i mean that wasn't just a loose example sheep are just exactly like we are when the shepherd's not nearby, sheep are constantly jockeying for position. You know, certain different, more aggressive sheep are trying to get dominance and get the rest of them to follow. And they're constantly jockeying for position. If you watch a sheep herd with no shepherd around, the shepherd shows up and then all of a sudden now they all fall in line. Okay, now, you know, the boss is here. And we're so much that way. We, we just want to be in charge. We want people to listen to us. We want people to do what we say. We want to be the one that knows the most and, you know, going to teach everybody else the truth and, you know, I have all the answers and we just, we do that. We jock your position and look at the, look at the 12 apostles. I mean, there they were sitting at that table with Jesus who, you know, he's sitting there knowing that he's about to go give his life for them. He's about to go through some horrible suffering. He's having this one final meal with them. And what are they doing? They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the, the top dog, who's going to be number two, the vice president and behind the king, you know, once, once Jesus takes the kingdom, they had no idea what was going on. They had no idea what he was getting ready to do. And so Jesus, what he did, what, what does he do? He takes his robe off. And so he stands there in his loincloth, only his loincloth, which was, the, which was the, the clothing or the outfit that a slave would wear. And not just a, not just a, a, a slave, but a foreign slave. 
because the lowest of the lowest of the slaves, they, they wore just a loincloth, no shoes or anything. And Jesus put on the outfit of a slave and knelt down and began to wash their feet. And he's trying to show them, don't jockey for position. Don't try to be the top dog. Don't try to one up each other. And who's going to be the biggest in the kingdom? Who's going to have the most authority and the best title and the most power? And you're all servants. And just do what I'm doing. I'm washing your feet. Here, I'm the God of creation who's condescended into the body of a human being. And I'm going to wash your dirty, dusty feet from the streets of Jerusalem. You know, and that that right there should be everything that we need to hear to know what we need to do. And then it's not about title and power and authority and I'm right and you're wrong. And I win the, I won the argument and, you know, I gave you a thumbs down on Facebook and it, it's, it's not about that. It's just about love, how to love mm-hmm. better. And I don't know. I just, I'm amazed when I think about that, that story and what Jesus did and showing them what to do. It's a great one to, it's a great one to keep in our tool belt at the forefront of our mind. That's, whenever you, you get in that argument or, or whenever you're wanting to, you know, as far as having a stewardship over your beliefs and, and feeling superior or angry or prideful in any way, it's, it's always looking at that cross and like the, the, the one unsinful, perfect God of creation allowed himself to hang on the cross so that you could sit there and feel like, you know, everything and that you're confident in your beliefs and, and, and other people are of no worth. Well, he sure felt like they are of worth yeah. allowing himself to be killed by them. So when you see the God of creation hanging on the cross, it's really hard. It should be really hard if you're honest at all to feel superior to another human being because of what you believe. And that's a, that's a great point to end on when considering our stewardship of our beliefs, consider the cross and the Holy one of Israel hanging there for us. Um, so that we are very, very, very loving in our interaction with each other, patient, merciful. Good one to end on. Thank you for being here. Until next time, remember we're walking each other home, so be kind. God bless. Mm-hmm.